we sang of one verse of I know that my Redeemer liveth. If you look at the words of that hymn, <clears throat> talks about a number of, of realities for the Christian. But how do we know what all it entails? How do we know that? I think it can bring us right back to the scriptures and to remind us. And we want to look at that this morning. And consider with you, why do we believe the Bible? Why do we, what is it that convinces us of its truth? What is it that helps us to stand not only in our own understanding, but have the element of the fullness of that understanding, the joy of that understanding, the outflowing of that understanding, that can minister and bless others as we profess our faith. A couple of weeks ago, I made reference to two passages, and we will look at them briefly this morning, but I'd like to invite you to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and I'd like to just use verse 4 this morning for the text for the message and while you're turning there, I'll read that. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There are many, many people that have a degree of understanding, a degree of, of conviction as to what the Bible is. The Word of God, its purpose and yet, many, many times we see in the world around us and even in our own circle sometimes where we have the potential to become confused or uh, led astray, whatever the term you would like to use. Um, and there comes a point in which there is not a full acceptance or of, of the word of God as we have it today. And one of the reasons that is, is that there is a lot of debate and discussion and, and arguments over what is the Word of God. Of what does the Bible consist? And for this morning's message, this part, I would like to consider with us, um, with this text verse, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Just to consider for a title, perhaps I would give it the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, its own sure witness by the apostles. What is it about the word itself that convinces us? Sometimes we are, we are uh, given to purchasing other documents, other works, other books that reflect on the Word of God. But, you know, that's... They can be helpful, but I believe God in His wisdom has given us information sufficient for us to understand the, the truth, the intent, the content of His Word to us merely through the Scriptures themselves.
many times I remember back back through the many years I haven't heard a lot of messages but from time to time there would be those brethren uh, inspired to share on the the canon of scripture how it was developed and so forth and and um, and yet more recently I was encouraged in, in some ways uh, by a brother sharing that inspired the the impetus that we need to rally around and realize that we can consider all those other angles but the scriptures themselves bear witness of of God's power and plan <clears throat> uh, sometimes in debating what the Bible is truly there is reference to to some of the the synods or the the councils early church councils and some of those things but I'd like for us to consider the scriptures and let them speak to us a part of and before those even came into play. And those, for the most part, I guess, appear to not have established the canon of scripture, but rather to, in certain cases, would have confirmed it. I'd like to share an illustration a brother that was giving some instruction on this gave um, something that happened to him and I thought it's, it's a good illustration for us to, to follow they had been this brother by by his duties and circumstances somewhat interested in different things and, and apologetics and so forth and, and he shared an, uh, happening that happened to them how many of you all have heard of the Jefferson Bible the Jefferson Bible. There is references to it. There is it is acknowledged various places, and I guess as as far as that goes, they were there in the um, historical museum doing a visit, uh, and there in that museum was the Jefferson Bible, what is known as the Jefferson Bible. And he gave the account as they were going through there. He had looked at it, I guess, but they were in the nearby area. And a group came in, and the group leader, they gathered around this case where this was, and the group leader made the comment that this is the true Bible. This is the true Bible. And he said the group looked like they were kind of thinking, well, explain that to us. We don't. We're not sure what you mean. And he went on to share how that Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, had gone through the scripture and removed those things that miracle were miracles of, of Jesus and or supernatural things that couldn't be proven in his perspective and eliminated them. And um, this brother was interested in maybe trying to get over there closer to the group and ask some questions to uh, cultivate the, the discussion. And as he went over there, the group leader said, okay, let's go to the next exhibit. And so they off, off they went. And, uh, and he thought, well, that's, that's that. And about that time, the security guard there stepped over to him and he said, can you tell me 
Is this the true Bible? Or is the true Bible the one I find in the bookstore? And so that opened a, a dialogue in, in which brother challenged him with some questions, not necessarily challenged him, but to, to answer his question. He raised some questions about that. Um, and, you know, I guess one of the problems that Thomas Jefferson had with the scriptures was that he was not convinced of its infallibility. And he made efforts to bring it into line with what he thought it should be. But this brother told that man, he said, you know, if, if, if the scripture is infallible, if it's considered infallible to make it to, for that penknife to correct it, the penknife needs to be infallible. Those things that are taken out need to be and so he began to analyze with him a little bit what was involved there. Um, and it was an interesting conversation, needless to say. They went on to, to discuss briefly how that the, you know, the founding fathers did not agree on what the word of God consisted of, its significance. And... Um, but this brother did leave that individual with the question, if you had to ascertain what is the true word of God, what would you want to start with? A copy of the scriptures that were riddled with deletions? Or would you want to start with the complete work? Now that is in a... a, um, a different element, a different mode of, of thinking than where we want to go, end up here this morning. But even in the time of the founders, there was an element of which the word of God influenced their lives. They went in certain cases, they difficulties, impasses, they went to the word of God, referenced it. Now we're not here to establish their uh, credentials on that but just to draw to point out that where the word of God in its is allowed to work it, it has its work to do now one of the problems that Jefferson had uh, he didn't want to accept those the miracles of Jesus he didn't want to accept the supernatural aspects of it but he was a believer in the fact that the morals of Jesus were at the highest level, that he was a great moral teacher. But you can see, if you take that perspective, um, we can ask ourselves this morning, as, as you contemplate that, if um, we have teachers here in our midst in the school setting, but if a teacher begins to lie to his students is he a good teacher if he continues to lie to his students is he a good teacher I think we would all agree that that would diminish very rapidly 
the significance of the impact in a positive way of that teacher. So again, this morning, as we consider the witness of the scripture of itself and the, the convincing nature, it, it helps us to see. And with the purpose as, and we didn't follow up the writer Luke in the Gospel of Luke here, um, referenced a number of things, but also in Acts 1, as he introduced that there, there are further elements that we look, looked at earlier briefly, but I want to go back to. But I want just to consider, remind us that we want to consider this morning the Word of God uh, relative to the Scripture we have and see what it says about itself to us. Um, one of the elements of debate that often is included uh, in other circles is where those that those churches that take the position that the scriptures are not a closed canon, or where they after after the canon of scripture was full, complete as the scriptures teach us, that they continued to add um, teachings and traditions that um, they wanted to wait equally with the word given by the inspired word of God. And so you can see that the skeptics would have a lot to say about that, would have a lot of reason to debate and to diminish that. <clears throat> it's interesting as we consider the scriptures and, and how Jesus called his disciples and he chose them and he gave them a work to do, a responsibility to do. And we'll see that as we go forward here this morning. But they were at a time and a place where they had the ability to understand that which came before them and the teaching of Christ to fill them, to direct them, and later the work of the Spirit to complete that work. Um, as they looked forward in building on that foundation of Jesus Christ. One of the things that um, we see when we look at the role of the apostles is that there were several additional elements. Um, earlier when we looked at this passage, we talked about just briefly that there were eyewitnesses. There were things that qualified them to speak with authority in the first-hand experience. You know, sometimes when we hear something and it's second-hand or third-hand or beyond, we begin to question, now, did I get it just right? <laughs> did it come through clearly? Uh, what was added to or diminished from? But in that... Um, and along with that, in some of the scriptures, there are references that are not in our focus this morning, but there are elements of, of confirmation in the life and work of the apostles, apostles that is, of the sign gifts. Um, let's look briefly over um, Luke chapter 1, these verses again, just noticing with you the importance of this declaration that was set here, set forth. 
I'll just read the first four verses and then we want to go to Acts 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. It's important for us today to be able to claim that as well, to know the certainty of the things wherein we've been instructed. We live in a land that much is written and spoken and sung about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, there, is many, there are many schisms, many divisions, many uh, varied values placed on different parts of the scripture for their application. <clears throat> Luke, writing in Acts 1 here, picks this up, this greeting again. But notice the things he mentions. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And I'll leave off reading at that point there. But, you know, it was not only that Christ came and, and walked the earth and taught his disciples. He, he assigned, he chose the disciples in a specific way. And then the writer here reminds us that he commanded that they should receive further instruction um, by means of the Holy Spirit that was overseeing, that was in charge of, that was superintending the, that record to be conveyed to them, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's what we want in the Bible, isn't it? The things that are speaking to the kingdom of God. That's what we would embrace as that which should be in the canon of scriptures. One of the things that I realized and knew as, as I was thinking along these lines is the fact that that is often the case, the, the writing of the apostles is separated out, or say the, the writing of the epistles, um, is often separated out and, and weighted differently than the Gospels in certain respects by many Christians. And yet as we realize how Christ instituted this to come to pass, we cannot degrade the value, the position, the place of the epistles, epistles any more than we can the writings of the Gospels. If we, if we degrade one, we degrade the other. And so we would understand, we would certainly not want to, to intent, intend that to happen. <clears throat> I 
So we have the Word of God, and, and in specific this morning as we look at the New Testament and the, the role of the apostles, how they impacted that, they were told that they were to be witnesses. If we look a little further here in Acts 1, chapter 1, verse um, 8, but ye shall receive... Pardon me, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. They were given specific role and duty of bearing firsthand witness of what had taken place of the scripture there. Uh, we want to look. Um, perhaps I'll go on down to to the um, chapter 2 in Acts. There we have the account of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And um, here they were giving, beginning that, but the Spirit came. And let's, let's notice just a few of these verses here in the middle of this chapter. But um, let's begin in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by pro the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And I could go on and take the time, but I'm not going to read all of those verses there. But you see how the apostles were able to, they had a connection with the Old Testament, with the prophets, and an understanding of how this was, was fitting together. In this very open public circumstance of, of the uh, Spirit coming upon them. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, a few verses here that, that remind us of the significance of what Jesus was, was conveying to them. In chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, Jesus said, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. They were being given something that many had looked forward to understanding, wanting to know. even though many of the Jews could not see for the, the cloud hanging over their understanding. Let's turn to, I'll just, if you care to turn there, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Look at just a few scriptures here quickly in acknowledging the, the work of Christ uh, calling the apostles. Um, I'll just reference here these first four verses. 
I'll read the beginning of it. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now we notice uh, in a general sense here some significant um, equipment that they were given in carrying out their duty. But he named them, he commissioned them in Luke 6, 13. It's another verse that um, speaks to that. And I like that scripture here because it specifically shows his intent. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 13, says, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. It goes on to list there as well. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 70, we have another referencing of the twelve there. There's another place or places in a sense that the seventy is mentioned of the disciples in Luke. But um, we want to, want to draw out and focus on the work of the apostles this morning. In Mark chapter 14, verse 17, the reference of him, it says he cometh with his disciples. Going to um, a few other passages in the Gospel of John, if you care to turn there, you might want to look at a few of these. Um, even at the Last Supper, there was references there, and as as late as we see in in John 17, where he was communicating, conveying, teaching um, the disciples in a very real way <clears throat> we see this come out in, in Jesus' prayer here in verse 6 he says I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world thine they were and thou gavest them me and they have kept thy word now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And he goes on there, familiar passage. But I would note, um, he distinguishes the calling of the disciples, the apostles, from later, down in verse 20, he references this in this context. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Whose word was it? It was going to be their word, the word of the apostles, establishing the doctrines that needed to be set forth, the teaching. And I think that helps us to understand and build on the, the setting, the purpose that is in focus here. 
Um, Turn to Luke chapter 22 briefly. A couple verses there I want to read. Verses 31 and 32. Christ was praying for them there in John 17. But here in this passage we see in these two verses. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Can you imagine what all our Lord and Savior pondered as he was carrying out his work on the earth? Let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 21. Here we have in this chapter the the, uh, selection of Matthias. Um, And notice a couple things that Peter says regarding this. I'll read um, beginning in verse 21. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. But notice the dependence, the understanding of, of Peter and the dependence on them for God to be involved, to be directing um, in the need, in meeting that need to fill the number of 12 there. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Here was one of the criteria that the apostles had to be able to as Luke wrote there in, in the Gospel of Luke in his introduction he referred to the fact that those that have a complete understanding, that have a full picture of what took place, and those that were with the Lord was a a requirement um, that was a part of that. And they wanted, as just as the Lord chose those before, they wanted him to direct them in this occasion as well. Show us, O Lord, which one. Now let's turn to Peter, Second Peter. I don't know if you know where we're going there or not, but 
Peter had some, as he matured in his walk with the Lord and, and so forth, he left some very valuable instruction for us, inspired to do that. Second Peter chapter 1, uh, let's begin in verse 16. Now, as we read these verses, think of in the context of the development of, of what was coming together to be the scriptures as we know them. Peter says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we, had made, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this, first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Excuse me. These verses, he begins in verse 16 by saying, and what we're, what we're teaching, what we have here is not something that we just tried to conjure up, that we tried to fit together and make it pass muster, that it could deceive and, and fool anybody that had questions. No. We have not followed cunningly devised fables, but they had come in the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And um, he, the latter verses of the chapter here, again, reinforce the fact, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The apostles were not set on the fact that they were establishing the word, but they were merely conveyors of it. They were setting forth that which had been revealed to them, that which they had been instructed in. <clears throat> and that is a, a blessing to me today as I consider the significance of the Bible becoming its most sure evidence of its own message. Now, in this passage of verses, I want to go to 1 John 1, but in this passage even we notice Peter uses some descriptive terms um, as far as eyewitnesses, things they, they saw, things they heard, the confirmation of the voice of God um, confirming who Jesus was. They related to him. But very few places does it is it set forth as as it is in First John chapter one. <clears throat> I'd like to read the first few verses and think about what is being said here as far as those that were that Jesus had chosen that were around him that were with him that knew him 
that which was, was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. They were continuing in their faithful efforts to convey, to establish the things that they most surely believed and experienced that others would be brought to the fold of God. The apostles were responsible to write or to supervise the writing of those things, the record that was given. Now, as we talk about the apostles this morning, probably some of you have already gone there. And, and of course, the question of Paul comes up and we want to look at some scriptures regarding that, the place, the role that Paul filled. And um, I see I'm running into a bit of a problem. Um, We'll proceed and we'll see how far we get. Um, probably have to break this in two parts here, but let's turn to Galatians chapter 1. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Paul begins describing the ministry of the his ministry of the true gospel, he says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. It was something that came to him by other means for, other pur for a purpose beyond the fleshly carnal purpose. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it by, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice in these verses, and I stopped there a little bit, but I want to I want to follow a little further along here. Um, I'm referencing the verses 11 through 21. I won't take the time to read them all. Um, let's break in in verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went unto Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Notice the instruction that Paul was given. 
He was called. We know the account very well of him being called on the road to Damascus. He was given information. He was given revelation. And here in this passage, he refers to the fact that he was sent. He didn't, he didn't begin his relationship with those other apostles. Um, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went unto Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. There was Paul forging ahead based on the work of God in his heart and his life, transforming him and with that same um, diligence as he persecuted the church, he went forth bearing the gospel of Christ by the revelation he was given. There are a number of places that <clears throat> help us to understand that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about there in in that passage that he received it of the Lord. And it is interesting that brother was talking about this. He made a comment regarding this passage. Let's read those verses. First Corinthians eleven twenty three. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. We know the passage well. But what we want to consider this morning is that the majority of, of scholars, as I've understood or been told, they would consider that Corinthians was written before the Gospels. And when you, when you factor in that equation, that into the equation of this whole picture, it helps us to understand the intricate workings of the Almighty in working through the work of the apostles and the confirming of of the infallibility of his ability to work and direct and teach and reveal with the special duties they were given. Paul said, I received it of the Lord. And we just looked at that other passage where he said, I did not go up to Jerusalem. I did not. I went. God revealed himself to me. He gave me a direction. I pursued it. I went. Much later... Can you imagine, would it not confirm in your hearts and minds very convincingly for those other apostles to, <clears throat> to understand that Paul was given that revelation to which they experienced, but he had not. And that he was there preaching it. and other settings before they had. It indeed confirms, reinforces the validity 
of the work of God in setting forth his word. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, Have not I seen the Lord? He defends his call to the apostleship. See, our time is, is gone, so I'll just bring it to a conclusion here with this, this picture we see of him. The factors involved in the Apostle Paul's life that he saw him. He was called of him, him being Jesus. And he was sent of him. Are you convinced this morning? If you are not, I would encourage you to continue pursuing, to become acquainted, to, to grow in your understanding that we might, with the text verse, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Such a blessing it is when we can walk in faith and full assurance.